what I noticed to be true is that when you actually allow yourself to move through anger and sadness, you get to be with more joy and the essence of who you are as a human. You have the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful, positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both, people who do well and do good. Discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. Brought to you by your host, Dorothy Ilson. Hey everyone, my name is Dorothy, I'm your host, and I'm so excited to welcome you here for episode 22 of the Do Well and Do Good podcast. Today's guest is Michelle Aubrey. Michelle is a successful leadership coach who supports business owners and entrepreneurs to use their gifts so they can create a deeply aligned business that will become their life's legacy. I met Michelle at a conference in September and what is especially amazing about her and the reason I was so excited to invite her on the show is that her coaching business gives a month's worth of every new client's fees to sponsors for Kenya. That money goes to saving at-risk children from the slums so that they can be fed, educated, clothed, and most importantly, loved. I just felt so aligned with Michelle's energy. She is so insightful, so positive, and really has an innate ability to cut to the core of her clients' limiting beliefs to identify what is holding them back. I know you're going to get so much from this episode, so get ready to take notes. And without further ado, here is Michelle. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm absolutely thrilled to have you here. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me on. This is a real privilege for me. Thank you. Well, to kick things off, could you expound on that intro and tell us a little more about yourself? Yeah, for sure. So starting off my, the full purpose work that you were talking about in terms of sponsors for Kenya, it actually started about three years ago when I had a boxing business. So I had a boxing business called Evolution Me which we used as a stress relief and an empowerment tool for women. The whole reason that that started was because my business partner at the time wanted to create a class specifically so that she could give money to an orphanage in Gambia. And I absolutely loved the idea. Ever since I was little, I used to watch Oprah on her show just give things away all the time. And I can remember thinking, oh, I'm going to be an actress one day and I'm just going to get really wealthy and just give all my money away to try and fix the world. So it's it's definitely a bit of a passion project for me, this type of work anyway. And We started with one organization over there where we wanted to uh, basically donate our time and go and train them in boxing so that a similar organization to sponsors for Kenya, it was called Rafiki Moema, and they have a very similar model. So these guys take children from the slums, people that have no family or homes, and they they look after them in in the most precious, precious kind of way. So we wanted to give them boxing classes so that they could release some of that past trauma through physical activity where they actually got to have anger on purpose, which is a concept that I use in my coaching practice now. And and now I get to, you know, from that, I started to take a training program that I wanted to implement into my boxing, but really my, my coaching career just took off and my business started to become very successful quite quickly. And soon enough, the, the boxing kind of went by the wayside and, and now I just coach full time. So I, I get the best of both worlds. What drew you to coaching? What was it about that that made you want to make that you know, your, your passion, pride in your career? I think deep down and innately, there is something about me that allows me to have conversations with people that really bring something out in them. I love being able to get to know somebody in a way that really supports them in moving their life forward, gets them present to 
who it is that they truly are. I see the goodness in everybody. I don't believe that there are bad people in the world. I think that we all have equal parts, good and bad. And I think that the bad is usually learned uh, through, you know, past traumas and, and experiences that we have in our life. And I just, I, I love being able to support and help other people. I love people. I love to see them win. I love to see them happy. I love to see them really achieving the things that they want in life and to have the biggest experience. I always, I always talk to people in my life about what they want to look back on in their life when they're 72 and they're sitting in a rocking chair. Like what life do you want to be looking back on and speaking about? What do you want to have in it? What do you want to be there? Who do you want to be around? So that's, it's a big passion piece for me. And, and I really feel like it's my purpose in the world. Yeah. My first experience with a coach was when uh, a startup that I worked for actually paid for us to work individually with a life coach, knowing that that ultimately you know, would make us more effective at our jobs. And I was so blown away by how drastically talking with him kind of shifted my perceptions and changed the way that I show up just in my day-to-day life. And since then, I've had at least one coach that I'm working with at any given time. So whenever it happens to come up that I have a life coach, most people think I'm joking or, you know, it just doesn't, they don't really get it. And so why do you think it is, Michelle, that more people don't utilize coaches in their personal and professional life and almost have an aversion to the idea? I think a lot of it comes down to weakness. You know, I think that this comes a lot in the, in the therapy and the counseling place is that people don't want to be perceived as weak. People don't want to look weak. And I think that there is a bit of a, a misconception about what a coach is and what a coach does. I know from a recent conversation that you and I have had is that quite a lot of people think that you need a coach because you have issues or because there's a problem that you need solved. And there is a truth to that. But I truly believe that anybody with a coach is actually somebody that's playing a really big game in their life. There's a, a big goal that they want to achieve. And I mean, I think that it's a bit of a given to say, but you can't really get somewhere by yourself. Like it's all about who you know and what you know put together and to really get powerfully supported moving through. So I really think it's that asking for support is, man, is the, it's the hardest thing that a lot of humans allow into their life, getting supported. So I think that there's a lot of that. It's kind of a bit of the support, a little bit of feeling or acting weak and letting somebody in like intimacy is, is something that quite a lot of people struggle with, right? You're hiring somebody to put it all out on the table. Like how are things at home with your partner? How are things with your kids? How is it with your business partner? What's going on? Like when you show up and you want to open your mouth, do you feel like the biggest, stupidest idiot in the world? And are you prepared to tell someone that? Are you prepared to let somebody in on your biggest, darkest secrets and your biggest, scariest dreams? Yeah. I love that you bring that up because I think that one of the most important pieces too is finding a coach that you really vibe with and and are comfortable being that intimate with. And you know, if you've had a bad experience with coaching or you know, you didn't get as much value of it, it probably just means that you didn't have the right coach. Yeah, absolutely. So Michelle, I'd like to talk about some of the common limiting beliefs that people do have so that If any of our listeners happen to deal with these, they can hopefully start the process to get some clarity. So what would you say is the most common struggle when it comes to the clients you support? So going right back to the beginning, when we talk, um, you know, you go from not having a life coach more often than not. I've had a few clients that have said, right, you know, I'm, I'm working with a coach at the moment, but now I'm in a position where I'm changing coaches and I want to interview you. So that's, that's cool. And they know that there's a, a quite a hefty financial investment with having a coach. And what I always find is people that say, oh, yes, I'm really committed to this work, but I don't have the money. 
I always find that that's a big thing, the, the, the financial commitment piece. And I, I have conversations with people all the time. And it's, it's such an interesting way to really shift the perspective on that. So if you're saying that you don't have the money to pay for a coach, it's, well, what do you think that you're really paying for? And the way that I always talk to people about that investment is it's not me that you're paying for. My time's actually not worth anything, right? To, to the client, my time's not worth anything. Obviously to me it is. But what you're really paying for is the investment and the commitment that you're willing to put forward into your life. Like the problem that you want to have solved or the life that you want to be living, what is that worth financially? What are you willing to pay to really move forward with your life? Well, and if you approach you know, something like investing in yourself with this mindset of, well, I can't afford it, I can't afford it, I can't afford it, well, then you'll never be able to afford it because it's that, you know, that process of working on yourself, which is what allows you to up-level and, and really do more in your life. 100%. What would you say to someone who does have you know, limiting beliefs around money in particular? We talk about that a lot on the show here. You know, what is kind of the first step in your opinion for someone to rework those negative beliefs? I think the first thing that's most important is to really check in to see if they're coachable. Like for myself as the coach and for themselves as a potential client, like are you actually willing to look at this scenario and this situation differently? Are you willing to have a different perception around how this could go? And what possibility is available for you from investing in this work? So that's always the first thing. And then from there, actually seeing what they're enrolled in. So, you know, for everybody that's listening to this podcast, you are always enrolling other people or being enrolled in something, whether it's the food that you buy from the supermarket, whether it's what you have for dinner, right? You ask the waitress, oh, what's the best on your menu? They are enrolling you and what the best thing on the menu is, right? So it's getting really clear on what this potential client is enrolled in. Do you want to make a million dollars? Okay, cool. But why? Why do you want to make a million dollars? And getting really clear on what the actual big vision is so that they can be just as enrolled as you, the coaches. Because money in and of itself is never going to be a big enough motivator to get you through the struggles that are inevitably going to come up. You need to have a deeper reason. Do you agree? Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. It's the bigger game that we're playing for, right? Like money is obviously fantastic. And if you're money driven, I personally believe that if there's not a bigger reason for that money, you can't be consistent with the amount of action you're taking, the amount of success that you can have. I think that at some point, your, your spirit or your soul or at some point something starts to suffer and that you can't really enjoy that money because it's not for something bigger. I, my, my pure belief is that we were all put on this planet to do something fantastic and magical. And I think that when that's not being served, I think that that's what creates a bitterness about people's personalities and, and a negative victim mentality. Yeah. And if you do find yourself in that position of you know, only being motivated by the money, like that's the time to really look at, okay, what's important to you and you know, how can you contribute to other people in a way that's going to give you the kind of fulfillment that money alone just simply never can? It was something that I experienced in a job that I had when I was a real estate agent a really long time ago. I was a sales assistant for you know, a very big agent uh, in Australasia. And you know, I made a lot of money, but I was also making this other person a lot of money. And it just, it just wasn't satisfying. I, I loved my work. I loved what I got to do. And it just didn't fulfill me, no matter how much I got to buy or how much 
how many of my friends I got to take out for dinner. It just didn't satisfy me. And now with the work that I'm doing and the fact that I actually get to change people's lives as a job and then use that money that my business is earning to go and impact more people, I just have never felt so fulfilled. Now, going back to coaching and, and some of the big struggles that you help people with, you know, I know for me, the tendency to suppress my emotions is a huge one. So why is that such a big problem and what steps can we take to turn that around? Yeah, I love that question. I, uh, I was actually hanging out with a friend last night who was talking about just the amazing opportunities that she has. She's a serial entrepreneur. She's absolutely brilliant, very successful and she wanted to come around. She said, can I come around and just have a breakdown at your house? I said, sure. And uh, she was telling me like just how frustrated she is. And I was like, why? Like, what's with the lack of emotion? She's like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you're talking about all these things. There's a lot going on for you. And yet you're very like stone cold about it. Like what's the emotion about it? And then she starts to cry. And she said, well, if I'm crying and I'm emotional about it and I'm sad and I'm frustrated, I'm not being grateful for these awesome opportunities that I have that have made me frustrated and upset. And it was so interesting because the way that she was really viewing that emotion was that she was a victim, right? Her highest, her highest regard is that she will not be a victim. She has an epic life. She's successful. She's got incredible people in her life and she tries to practice gratitude, but it's over the top of just trying not to be a victim. And what we got to get really clear on, and I really hope that this is valuable for your listeners that are listening to this, that just because you're emotional doesn't make you a victim. It doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you can't be with joy. And what I noticed to be true is that when you actually allow yourself to move through anger and sadness, you get to be with more joy and the essence of who you are as a human. What's the balance between positivity and, and actually expressing your emotions and, and being real with yourself? Because I know like positivity is something that I really care deeply about. And I know that it's impacted my life in a really drastic way, just you know, choosing to look at things in the positive. But I know that there is a flip side to that. You know, if you go too far down like that road, like your friend was doing where, you know, I want to be grateful. I don't want to be a victim. You ignore your emotions. So where's that line? How do we know if we are, you know, wallowing and, you know, just not looking at things from the right perspective or if we are, you know, avoiding having our feelings, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. So I would look in the way that you're looking at positivity. I would maybe move, remove that word and put in possibility. So there's a possibility with every experience or scenario or circumstance that we confront or experience. And I really think that the way for us to be able to be with our emotions, experience possibility and have a positive experience of all of those things is to be really true to ourselves. Like what is going on? Like I'm emotional. I feel like I want to cry. I feel like I want to hit something. Okay, cool. If that's how you feel, go and do it. Actually move through the anger. I have a, some phenomenal coach friends, Adam Quiney and um, Bay LeBlanc Quiney, and they both say something to this effect. They say, the only way out is through. And I truly believe that about our emotions. If you want to get out of your anger, if you want to get out of your sadness or the experience that you're having, you have to move through it. The only way out is through. And I see this a lot with my clients. I see this a lot with people in the world that when you try to suppress something, whatever, whatever you're trying to avoid will control you. So by allowing to move through yourself and actually experience all of it, because it's the human experience, any type of anger or sadness or emotion is just part of our human experience. I'm curious how communication plays into this. And I'll keep using myself as the example here. 
often if I recognize my emotions or something I have a problem with, I still don't talk about it. You know, say there's something that I want to address in my relationship. You know, I'll have this conversation going on inside my head for weeks where I'm just making up my partner's side of the story. And then once I finally bring it up, I realize that I had his feelings all wrong and it's usually easily resolved. So how can we break patterns like this and be more effective in communicating our feelings and what's going on with us? Well, if you're willing, will you let me play with you for a quick second? Sure. Okay. So when you were experiencing this you know, thought process with your partner, what was it for you that had you not expressing it right from the get-go? I think that it is a fear of... I don't know what it is. I mean, because I don't think it's a fear of the reaction or anything like that. I think it's more of a discomfort with advocating for myself almost or like not wanting to, you know, not wanting to... I, I Honestly, I don't even know what it is. It's, it's hard to describe. I, I suppose it's just an avoidance of conflict. I don't know. And are you potentially worried about what that other person might think of you? For sure. And so to answer your question, it's a little bit, dif- it's a little bit difficult because it's a kind of bit different for everybody, right? So your experience right there of not being able to just communicate what it is that comes up is going to be perfectly and specific for you. Mm-hmm. And so what it sort of sounded like where you wanted to go with that was that there was an avoidance of you kind of advocating for yourself. Like it sounds like there's a little bit of like, oh, but is it really a thing? Like, do I need to bring it up? Mm-hmm. And if I do bring it up, well, how's it going to go? Yeah. Yeah. And perhaps what's available for you is to look at the possibility. Like direct communication, I believe, creates access to possibility and a win-win. Mm-hmm. And something that you might want to take on is, well, if I was to see direct communication and sharing what's there for me to allow possibility for my relationship, and this goes for you and anyone, right? That there gets to be possibility and who knows what that possibility is and that you get to create a win-win. And inevitably, I mean, talking about it always <laughs> solves it. You know, usually whatever, whatever it is, and this isn't, you know, just with my, my partner, but with anyone, you know, if it's something with my parents, something with, you know, a friend where I'm annoyed about something, but, you know, instead of addressing it, I just hold it in and let it kind of fester. You know, once you actually just have the conversation, it almost always gets better. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's always really interesting where we choose from and what makes us hesitate. I know that Mel Robbins talks about why procrastination is, is something that happens all over the place. She talks about how if you procrastinate, your body goes into a self-protection mode. Well, you hesitated with this, but you didn't hesitate with tying your shoes earlier. So they protect you. And then your brain, I believe, goes into some logical like, oh no, now's not the right time or, oh, I won't bring it up or whatever it might be. And something that I get to bring in with my clients and we create agreements at the beginning of every conversation. And do you agree that no matter what's happening over there, even if you want to tell me to piss off or you think that I suck or that I'm picking on you, that you actually bring that to the conversation. When people are triggered or when things are not going right, that's the best opportunity for you to actually do some deep inner work because you get to get clear on what's really going on because usually that's the that's the behavior and the thought pattern that's happening underneath your conscious actions. Like it's like the thing that's hiding in your blind spot that's having you operate the way that you're operating. You just don't know what it is. Now, when it comes to people, you know, not living 
up to their potential or, you know, the fullest version of the life that they imagine for themselves. You know, I, I think that confidence is such a huge piece of what does hold people back. What are your thoughts on confidence and, you know, how that impacts the way that we go through our lives? Oh yeah. I love this question. So I actually did a Facebook post about this just recently. Confidence is not something that is a prerequisite for you taking action. And unfortunately, and this is the uncomfortable part about expanding and and stepping outside of your comfort zone is that confidence is going to end up being a byproduct. This is probably the sixth or seventh podcast that I've been a guest on. And I can comfortably say that I'm sitting here, my heart isn't racing. I'm not nervous. I'm certainly not sweating like I used to at the beginning. But when I recorded my very first podcast, when I was a guest, I was absolutely terrified. I was worried that I was going to sound like an idiot. I was worried that I was going to stumble over my words. I was worried that I didn't know what to say or that I was stupid and all of these different things. And what I know to be true from every single time that I've stepped into something where I didn't exactly know what I was doing or what I might say or how it was going to go, that I became more and more confident the more that I stepped into the scary. When you do step into that, I think a lot of what holds people back is, you know, like we mentioned before, the fear of what other people are going to think of us. You know, what are our friends going to say? What's our family going to say? What would you tell someone who wants to make a big change, but they feel held back by, you know, certain people in their life who tell them that they can't? Just keep going. Like there is, there are so many people in the world. And I know that when you've been around the same particular friend group or the same, you know, inner circle, that it sometimes feels like all of these other people are just uh, like Sims characters walking around in a world that you're not part of. But we're all interconnected and we're all part of the same big world. And so if you're in a group and you feel scared to tell somebody about your, your big scary dream or a declaration that you really want to fulfill in your life, go and tell someone. And if that person tells you not to or asks you a ton of questions about it and and tells you that you can't do it, go find someone else and tell them. And then go find someone else. Go find a stranger. Google search people to support you. I mean, this is awesome for coaches and consultants. This is an awesome uh, platform for where they really allow people to thrive. Just keep going. Just keep telling somebody until somebody listens. I've I've watched a bunch of videos uh, on Facebook. You know, like Goldcast has some really great content. And what I'm really clear on is that all people need is one person to believe in them. There's a, a someone Dudley, there's a podcast called um, Lollipop Moments or something about a lollipop, something to do with that. And it's all about the one, like the one piece of advice or like a moment in your world where that's the thing that really propels you forward. It's a really cool video. And yeah, for anybody that's in that scenario or that situation, just keep Fine, just keep going until someone will listen to you and you feel like that person believes you and will advocate for you and, and cheerlead you all the way to the end. Yeah, changing the people that you're around is such a powerful way that we can make changes. And and it goes not just for you know having people support you, but also for you know looking to achieve something you've never achieved before. The fastest way to do it is by surrounding yourself with people who have already done it. So I definitely think that that's, that's important. You know, Michelle, what role do habits play when we're trying to up-level our lives? Oh man, I think that they're so important. I know for this year, like this year has just been a, a absolute sea, like tidal waves, all sorts of crazy stuff has gone on for me this year. And the one thing that I know that has served me are, are my habits and my consistency. So 
not every single day is the same. That's the first thing I'll say is I don't want anyone to think I'm perfect or think that they can't do what I've done because they might screw up their Monday or they might not do everything they need to do on a Thursday. I'm consistent to the point where I have at least three or four good days out of the seven. So I'll get up early. I'll go through a morning routine that I've set up for myself. For sure, without a doubt, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I have a call with one of my very good friends and we support each other and what it is that we need to do for the day. And then we get on with our day. Habits are extremely important Just because you screw up once. doesn't mean that you can't pick the ball up and keep going. What does your morning routine look like? So my ideal morning routine, and when it goes the way that I like it to go, I wake up at 5.45. I will get up. I'll go for a walk or a run. I'll come home. I'll have a shower if I need to. If it's been a, you know, a sweaty exercise, if it's just walking, I won't necessarily work worry about it. I will do some meditation. I will do some writing where I get clear for my day. I set my intentions. Um, I have a couple of other practices in there that have been implemented by my coach. So it's quite a lot of scribing work. And then I will uh, get on a call with my girlfriend where we will then go through the content for social media that we want to create for the week. So whether it's a blog post or like an email out or whether it's uh, content that we want to put on social media. So those are the things that we do. And then usually by 9 a.m. I'm coaching my first client. I know that a big part of your coaching practice is working with people who want to leave a legacy. You know, that's something that's really important to them. So what are the first steps for people who want to achieve a great legacy, but just don't feel like they're moving in that direction? Oh, I love this. So this was me, right? So like anyone who's a coach or consultant, if you're struggling with who your client is, your ideal client is yourself. And this is definitely something that I got really clear on was that I was always mucking around with all of these silly different careers and these things that I really loved and I, and I was very good at, but I just, I really wanted to be like the, you know, the Oprah Winfrey and the Ellen DeGeneres and, and the Jesse Williams. And I really wanted to be somebody that was going to be able to really change the world and in a really positive way. So not only did I want to be able to make a lot of money and support organizations and charities and really change the world financially, I really, really wanted to have the vehicle that created that money to be something that sourced me, sourced my purpose in the world, and was something that I wanted to wanted to create. And it's not easy, right? Because we have all of our limiting beliefs, such as I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I haven't had enough training, who am I, I'm not old enough. That's the big one for, for young thought leaders and coaches, that they believe that they're, that they're not old enough and they haven't experienced enough. And I say that's not true. I'm in a, a program called World Class Leader with uh, Yaya Bakar and Gerard Adams. And their head coach, Brian Donovan, is he's just turned 23. And that guy's an absolute genius. He's phenomenal. And if I had ever thought about doing what he's doing at his age, there would have been no chance. But that's only because of the things that I told myself. And I have it that for somebody like Brian, he has an, an internal belief that he is capable and able and possible to create whatever it is that he wants to create. I mean, really, it's so cliche, the whole, you know, if you believe you you can or you believe you can't, either way, you're right. But it's really true. I mean, the stories that we tell ourselves are so powerful. And it's important to remember that they are just stories and we can change them anytime we want. So are there any stories in the different sense of the word that you can share about clients who have had you know, especially transformative results or, you know, any, any experiences you want to talk about? Obviously, you don't need to use real names. So one of my, one of my clients at the moment, um, she's an absolute badass. She owns a business and a online business. And when we first started working together, she really wanted support in her scheduling. She wanted support in 
uh, how she was going to run her business and to really take this online business that she wanted to work with off the ground. She wanted to skyrocket. And, you know, we worked on it for a little bit and then we started noticing that there was this pattern in her life where the romantic relationship she was in was not serving her. So she brought that to our coaching session for now and then we talked about her and her man. And at some point she got very clear that this relationship was not serving her. It was certainly not the relationship that she wanted to be in for the rest of her life. And therefore she wanted to end it. So we went through uh, quite a few different things and, you know, her business is just kind of coming along at this point. It's not really taking off by any means. And uh, I got her to create a project design around her romantic relationship. So a project design is something that I take all of my clients through in all areas of their life. And the future vision that she created in this project design brought me to tears. Uh, They submit these things the day before they talk to me and I was reading it and I was crying and I was noticing all of these really beautiful things that she was welcoming into her life from this future vision. And uh, within about a month of her writing that future vision, she had ended this relationship powerfully in a way that she had never ended a relationship before. And she started intentionally being in action to creating this new relationship. And then about a month after that, she found this man that absolutely met all of the relationship requirements of this future vision. And now, uh, you know, I just, I spoke to her uh, a couple of weeks ago and she said to me, she was like, oh my gosh, Michelle, this shit really works. That's what she said to me. She goes, I can't believe it. I'm in this relationship with this man and he's everything and more. And, I, and I've got all of these things. And she said, and, I, and I'm nervous all the time. And I, and I notice that I do this stuff. And, and she just gets so excited about this person that she's in this relationship with. And now what we're coaching on is her business because her business has started to take a trajectory that she wasn't expecting. So her, her business is absolutely blowing up. Her online business is starting to take off in a way that she hadn't expected. And I, I really attribute that now that she's in integrity and in alignment with you know, the other half of her life that is sourcing her, that her business is now taking off in, in a brand new way. So that's, that's one really cool story. And probably another one that I, I would love to talk about is a woman that I worked with last year. She was absolutely phenomenal. And she wanted to create some really powerful things for her life. She was separated, divorced, and she wanted, she was living in her mom's place with her two teenage daughters. And what she really wanted was to create a home. And she had absolutely no way or no idea of how she was going to create that. I worked with her for a total of six months. And in that time, she went from a full-time, uh, sorry, a part-time job to a full-time job paying her exactly the money that she wanted to be earning. She ended up buying a house. And now she's in a position where she's earning very good money. She owns you know, her own home and her girls are living with her. And now she's renting out rooms and earning a residual income from that as well. So it's just phenomenal when people really partner with somebody else to make their dreams come true and achieve the goals that they really want to achieve. Magic can really happen. Those are both such powerful examples. And I love that you talked about relationships. because I know for me, like I am so incredibly lucky to have a partner who supports me and lifts me up and you know and really encourages me in everything that I do but I know that not everyone has that and and if you don't changing that you know getting toxic relationships out of our life can be one of the hardest things to do but it's absolutely transformative to your ability to move forward and actually, you know, achieve your goals and, and really create that life vision. I, I love the way that you, you know, do that, that exercise. Writing things down has such a power to it. You know, what, do you believe that? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. It's changed everything for me. I mean, I can, I had a, 
a romantic relationship project design myself and I had all of these things written down. And something that I want to be really clear about to anyone who's listening to this is that this is not how tall he is or how tall she is or how fit they are and things like that. This is like the things that you want in your relationship are the things in your relationship, like laughter or adventures or playtime or feeling like you're that other person's best friend. I really invite people to look at relationship as a completely separate entity from the other person. So there's, there's me and there's my man and then the relationship is in, in the middle. And they're almost three different entities. But writing down exactly what it is that I want in my relationship and now that I have that, it's like, oh, those are really the things that I want because I wrote them down. I got clear on what it was that I wanted and then created my own future vision. And then once you create that future vision, you've got to reinvent. Right? So what is it that you want next? And it works with money, with career, you know, that just like that second example you gave, writing down the things that you want and getting clear on it yourself is one of the most powerful things you can do. When you're vague about it, then your results are going to be equally vague. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, accomplishment coaching where I trained as a, as a coach, they talked about the cosmic waitress. And it was just such, it was such a cool like idea. And one of the coaches said to me, they were like, okay, Michelle, what do you want? And I kind of said these things and they're like, okay, imagine that you're in a restaurant and the waitress comes up to you and says, what do you want? And you say, oh, well, I kind of like something like, I don't know, chicken, but I'm really not too sure. And then the waitress goes away and comes back and you're saying, well, where's my food? And she says, well, I don't really know what you want because you kind of said you want a chicken, but you weren't really sure. So I can't bring you anything because I don't know exactly what you want. So you have to be really intentional with what, you, what you're asking the cosmic waitress for. That's such a great analogy. Yeah, I love it. So I know that something that is deeply, deeply important to you is the fact that your business is for purpose. And we first heard that phrase when I had Tommy Barretts on the show uh, in episode five. And he, he told us about you know, how there's, there's for-profit, there's non-profit, and then there's this mix of the two that is for purpose. And I would love to hear more about, you know, how you built that into your business and, you know, why specifically you chose sponsors for Kenya. It's a really cool story. So one of the coaches that I'm partnered with over here, who I did my training with and then, and then led briefly as, as a mental coach for accomplishment coaching, we were having a conversation about intention and purpose. And I said to her, I was like, you know, I, I really, what I want to be doing with my money is, is supporting other people and I want to be making a real impact. And she said, well, why aren't you doing it now? And I said, well, I don't really have that much money and I, you know, like I, I'm earning good money, but it's only just really getting me by and I, and I don't really know what to do. And, you know, recently I haven't been getting hired and this was earlier on in the year and I was kind of struggling with really getting into the swing of things for myself. And she said, well, what if you went about creating your clients and creating your business from a place of this money is going to be going towards those children? And I kind of sat with it for a little bit. She said, how does that feel? And I said, well, it makes me want to build my business in a brand new way. So it was like my motivation changed. The reason for me building my business was not so that I could get paid. It was because there were children out there that needed me to step up and serve my ass off so that I could support and provide for them. And that was really where things started to change for me. It was always something that I wanted to do, but I always had this idea like, oh, when I get to this much money, I'll be able to give. Or when I get to this much money, I'll be able to do it. And then what I got really clear on is that if this is my motivation to put more people in my practice so that I can give more money away, 
it just completely changed the game for me. And from a real soulful level, right? Like it's not like a fake unintentional, oh, I'm doing this for this reason and then I'll get more clients or I'll be more successful. Like really from your heart, when you get clear on what it is that you're in business for and why you want to be there, it just happens. You know, with great action taken, results really start to get created. So that's how that came about. Yeah. And it it just builds and feeds itself because again, just like we were talking about before, if money is the only thing that is driving you, it's not going to take you very far. But if you know that for every new person that you're able to bring into your coaching practice, you're not only helping that person, but you're also able to sponsor another child. It's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any you know, specific stories from your experience with Sponsors for Kenya that have you know, really touched your heart? Probably just recently, actually. I was, so I, I, did a, I did a post about uh, Gloria is the little girl who I have so far brought into Sponsors for Kenya. And, and my goal is that in the next sort of two years that I'll have five children there and that they're going to be paid for up until the time that they're 18. I put a post up on, on social media and I was talking about what it is that my business does. And then there was a, a few kind of hateful comments on the thread. And then B Bowman, who is the creator of this organization, who's also a friend of mine, um, she went on there and said, just for a little bit of context, the hate on these posts were about the fact that I was advertising what I do. And they were trying to say, it's not about you. You shouldn't be putting this post up. This is all about you. And I was trying to explain how I'm actually being an advocate for people to have more for-purpose businesses. And the part that really, really touched me was when B went on there and said, actually, because of these posts, it's allowed us to put 44 children in a nice warm bed. And that was, that was the part where I was like, this is, this is the work. This is why we do this. It's so that there are children out there that are sleeping in dirt and cardboard and having all sorts of abuse that we don't even want to imagine that are now safe and sleeping in a bed. Wow. Wow. Well, Michelle, thank you for everything that you've shared with us today. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. So I'd like to move into what I call the impact round. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions and I'd like for you to respond with the first answer that pops into your head. You ready? Awesome. So who has been the most impactful person in your journey to do well and achieve financial success? Darren Bridge. She's a woman that really brought me into this work. And she's actually the reason that I took the training program that I took. She said something to me that only someone could read minds, could, could have known. So that was, that was definitely it. Yeah. Then who has been the most impactful person in feeding your drive to do good and make an impact? The likes of Ashton Kutcher, Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. Influential people that have money that want to continue doing good things. When you're having a bad day, what do you do to get yourself out of the funk? Do you have any practices that you rely on? Yeah, I love cafe culture. So if I can get to a cafe and have a big frothy latte and some cake uh, somewhere where I can see the ocean, that's totally my way to get out of the funk. I love that. Oh man, but I don't get the ocean piece here in Chicago. (laughs) I need to make a change. (laughs) What book do you find yourself recommending to people most often? Can I have two? Sure. All right. So Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. That's absolutely my Bible at the moment. And the other one is The Last Word on Power by Tracy Goss. That book's absolutely phenomenal when it comes to reinvention. Awesome. And then what is one thing on your bucket list? I hate heights and I hate falling and I really want to go skydiving. Oh, you're kidding. Why? (laughs) 
I saw a video actually, Kerwin Ray, Kerwin Ray is a guy who has a social media following and he talks about the fact that he went skydiving like 27 times just so he could get over the fear of doing it. So similar to what we were talking about earlier is in confidence. Like you're not going to get confident before you do the thing. You actually have to do the thing to get the confidence. So that was something that um, has always stuck with me that I hate it and I don't want to do it, but it's definitely on my bucket list. Which oh my I goodness. Hate. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're, you're making me question everything because I also think skydiving sounds absolutely terrifying, but maybe I should rethink that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And then what is the best piece of advice on success that you would give to our listeners? Even if it doesn't feel good, you're still doing good. Just keep going. It's not necessarily going to feel like how it looks in the movies when we see these hour and a half long takes of how people got successful. There's no background music to our life as we're living it. But maybe when we start to look back on the success that we have created, you can put, you know, a track over that or a theme song over that and then it will feel a little bit more magical. But yeah, just keep going. It doesn't have to feel good and to know that you're still doing good. Thank you, Michelle. And then as you know, here on the show, we have what I like to call the do well and do good challenge. So this is where I encourage our listeners who want to give back to contribute to the nonprofits that are nominated by our guests. I know that you've chosen to nominate sponsors for Kenya. So I'd like to invite you just to say a parting word about that organization as we wrap up here. That organization has absolutely taken my socks off. Um, as I said, mentioned earlier that it's actually my friend that runs the organization and, and put it all together. And I think that when people with big, bold, beautiful hearts want to create magic, that it's possible. And I really want to support her in providing more love for more children that haven't experienced it. And I think that that's the most important thing in the world is for young children to feel loved and like they matter. And so that's why I, I definitely recommend them for somewhere to put your money so that you can change their lives. I love it. Well, we will link to that organization in the show notes. So definitely go check that out. And lastly, Michelle, before we say goodbye, where can our listeners go to learn more about you, of course, about your coaching and to follow your content? Yeah, uh, social media. So Facebook, Instagram, Michelle Aubrey Coaching. And then my website is michellealbury.com. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such an honor to have you. Mm, Thanks so much for having me, Dorothy. It's been great. Well, everyone, that's our show. Now, before I sign off from our conversation with Michelle, I want to introduce any new listeners to the Do Well and Do Good Challenge. If Sponsors for Kenya or any of the organizations nominated by our guests especially touch your heart, then I encourage you to contribute. If you donate to any of those nonprofits and then send a screenshot of your receipt to challenge at dowellanddogood.co, Your donation will be included in our monthly tally of the tangible impact this podcast is having. Now, the second way to participate doesn't cost you a dime, but still has a massive impact. And that is voting. See, each month on the first, we host a vote inside of our free Facebook community to determine which of the nonprofits nominated that I will then donate 10% of my advertising agency's profits to. So it's an awesome way to make your voice heard. We've been able to donate money to some really powerful organizations doing good in the world. And I would just love for you to participate. So head over to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook to join the group and I'll see you on the inside. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to tune in next week.